Oh, I didn't have it right. A couple of things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. How's that? Are we right? Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me come today and Helene and be with you. It's a, a privilege and a joy to be able to come and share. And um, yeah, I want to encourage you in the, the extension of the hall out there and to be able to do it without the bank. Um, when we built this building here, we went to the bank and the bank said, no, you're a bad risk, we're not going to loan you any money. So we built it without the bank. That's exciting. And you can do the same. You can do the same. I, one Sunday morning, I remember I was, we had been to the bank and I was discouraged and I stood in front of the people and I said, you know, bank won't loan us any money, we can't build a building, unless of course somebody's got $40,000 to give to us. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I've just received an inheritance and I was praying this morning, Lord, what do you want me to do with this $40,000? The building actually cost eighty. <laughs> the rest was a step of faith. <laughs> I don't know why I said, well, that was the Lord that wanted to, the 40 said. That God's ways, he works in all sorts of miraculous and different ways that we can never understand. But we've just got to walk a journey with him in that. And uh, God wants us all to walk that journey. And it's an easy journey. It's not meant to be a difficult journey. And I want to share a little bit about that as, as we go on today. So, Helene and I were, were married in 1971. That's a long time ago now. January. Everything happens in January. We got married. And then we moved over to Adelaide and went to Bible college and then we, I, I worked for the highways department in South Australia as a civil engineer. And then we moved to Crystal Brook, which is a little town up near Port Pirie, if any of you know the mid-north of South Australia. And uh, I was building roads up there. And we were part of the ministry team of the Port Pirie CRC church. And came... 1975 and we felt God was calling us to come back to this area. We grew up around Geelong and uh, got married in Geelong at the old Belmontful Gospel Church, the hangar on the hill, as some may remember if you're really, really old. <laughs> and then in January 1976, we made a move. This young 25-year-old couple with two kids, two cats, and two trailer loads of furniture made an exciting, if not presumptuous, journey of faith from Crystal Brook, halfway around Australia, seemed like halfway around the world, following a sense of a call of God to establish a church here in Colwick. So here's our young 25-year-old couple, and we had two kids. 
and here's our gorgeous two little kids that we had as we moved down here to Colac. Now, I say a sense of calling because actually no one is really absolutely certain that something is of God until it's proven to be of God in the journey of time. And so we step out in faith. We believe that it's God that's spoken to us. We embrace it as God as having spoken to us and we step out in faith with him, trusting him that he's going to bring it all together and make it all work. So when this young 25-year-old, naive yet brave and some called stupid couple came to Colac, we didn't really know what God was going to do. We didn't know how God was going to do it. We didn't know what we would do. But after seeking some counsel, we simply left a profession, left a home, left our friends, and we travelled all the way across to little old Colac, and we did what God put in our hand to do. And this is the result. You don't know us from a bar of soap. But you are the result. <laughs> so we arrived. No income, no house, no support. There were 12 in a little home group, of whom six left after we arrived. It says a lot for church growth, and so we practiced what we preached, and the two became five. And then God spoke to me and I had deep revelation that I was here to feed the sheep, not breed the sheep. <laughs> and we parked our furniture in Bill Peach's shed over at Belbray. Um, Bill was a lot younger in those days as well. <laughs> and we moved into his caravan and offered to help milk the cows, and I think he rued the day that he ever said yes to that. <laughs> it would be nice to say that everything flowed according to our plans. The reality was I don't think we had any plans. We just had a sense of call, and we followed it. It would be nice to say that other churches provided practical and financial support to help us on our way. But that never happened either. In fact, we got more discouragement than we had encouragement. And the same happened when we established Tabor College in Melbourne. And when we established uh, Life Builders, which is the ministry that we've had for the last 20 years. Uh, we have more discouragement than encouragement, but just don't say to me you can't do it. Somebody said that it couldn't be done, but he with a chuckle replied that maybe it couldn't, but he would be one who wouldn't say so till he tried. So he buckled right in with a trace of a grin on his face. If he worried, he hit it. He started to sing as he tackled the thing that couldn't be done, and he did it. <laughs> when we walk with God, we tackle things that in the world can't be done, and we do them in God. See, God honours our faithfulness to him, far more than our giftings and our abilities. He honours our faithfulness. 
and when we sense that call of God upon our life and we step out in faith, just believing that we've heard, God honours our faithfulness and he brings it all together and he affirms us and he affirms his call upon our life. There were many miracles of provision along the way. I, I won't go into all of them. Uh, I used to keep a prayer diary in those very early years. And every time somebody would come to a service and they'd have a need, I'd write it in my little prayer diary. Uh, any of our needs, I'd write them in our prayer diary and we'd pray about them. And uh, then I would start ticking them off. I'd go back over them. And I don't think there was any that didn't have a tick beside them at the end of those periods of time. God's faithfulness is there confirming things along the way. When we walk with God, all of the circumstances come into alignment. So we moved back to Geelong or Belbray, where Bill was at the time. We had no income. We had no home. We had nothing. But God aligns the circumstances. I went into my old head of department's office. I studied at the Gordon Institute of Technology where I'd done my civil engineering training. And uh, I, I went into the head of department's office just to say g'day. And when I walked through his door, his phone rang. And it happened to be a, a consulting practice in Geelong who were looking for a civil engineer who had the exact experience that I had had at that very instant that I walked through his door. See, God aligns things. The day we got a house here in Colac, we moved into Colac. That very day, the only consulting engineer moved out. The Shire engineer was the engineer to Lock Culvert Drainage Trust, and he'd decided he had had enough, and he had resigned just as I moved in. And so the circumstances Align. We developed a consulting engineering practice here in Colac. I was a Lock Kelvert Drainage Trust engineer for, I don't know, five or six years. And that was our income. We put bread and butter on the table as we built the church. We had to because nobody else was giving us any money. But God proving his faithfulness to us. are exciting days. And I guess made a little easier for us by the fact that there was nothing to lose except perhaps a bit of pride. And so we just buckled right in with a trace of a grin on our face. If we worried, we tried to hide it. <laughs> and we did a lot of singing. And we tackled this thing that couldn't be done. And we did it. No, God did it. See, God blesses and God multiplies as we pursue that sense of vision and calling that he has. Well, what was this vision that we had when we came to Colac? Turn with me in your Bible to Jeremiah 33, if you have a Bible. If you don't, go and buy a Bible. Uh, or come and visit me. I've probably got 50 of them in my bookshelves. Uh, this passage of Scripture was what I felt God had given to us as a vision for what he wanted us to do in coming to Colac. And so 
I shared it in my very first meeting that I attended here in Colac, and these are the notes from my sermon. It was dated the 24th of February, 1976. How about that? And I've still got them. Let's read it. Nevertheless, verse 6, nevertheless, I love that word. I love that word. You see, Jeremiah was prophet to Judah, who had been under captivity with Babylon. Jerusalem was being destroyed. There was a mess everywhere. And it was because of the sinfulness of the people and the rebellion of the people of Judah and their lack of faithfulness to God. Yet God says, nevertheless, nevertheless, in spite of all that you have done, in spite of the mess that you've made of your life and everything else, nevertheless, says God. And he says that to you today too. Regardless of what's happened in your life, whether you've caused it or anybody else has caused it, God says, nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. That's God's promise to us all. Nevertheless, because God is the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. And nevertheless, regardless of the muck-ups that we make, nevertheless, God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. God is there to bring healing. So nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity. I will rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me. And I will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring, will bring me renown, joy, praise and honour before all nations on earth that hear of all the good things I do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. This is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without men or animals, yet in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabited by neither men nor animals, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of the bride and the bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, his love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord." This is what the Lord Almighty says in this place, desolate and without men or animals, in all its towns there will again be pastures for shepherds to rest their flocks. In the towns of the hill country of the western foothills and of the Negev and the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem and in the towns of Judah, flocks will again pass under the hand of the one who counts them, says the Lord. And that was the passage of Scripture that I felt that God had placed upon our heart as the vision for what God was wanting to do here in Colac. 
Nevertheless, nevertheless, God wants to bring health and healing. And so three things that stood out that I shared on that 24th of February, 1976. First was that God wanted to bring restoration. And that restoration took on three aspects. There was health and healing. Healing the breaches. Forming a healthy fellowship. And that's what God wanted Colac Christian Family Church. I've got to get it right. <laughs> to be a healthy fellowship. A safe place. A place of prosperity where there was provision, both spiritual and physical. The principle of sowing and reaping was something that, that I shared on that first day as well. And to be a place of security, stability, the foundations in the Word of God and in teaching of that Word of God so that our foundations as Christians and as brothers and sisters together was, was not in the airy-fairy, was, was, was not in wonderful, nice experiences, as, as wonderful and as nice as those experiences are, but our foundations are in the Word of God and the solidness of that Word that never changes. And so I had to learn now very quickly how to minister with people if this was going to come to pass. 25-year-old, starting off. We thought we were very old in those days. <laughs> we, were, we were very mature for our age. I assure you of that. People came to us with needs, and surprisingly, although we were only in our 20s, people much older came and bared their hearts to us. We were doing marriage counselling with people who were twice our age. <sighs> Hindsight, I know I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Hindsight's infallible, but we had no idea what to do. So we just looked to the Holy Spirit and somehow restoration came. I, I wish I knew then what I know now. But maybe if I did, I wouldn't have relied on the Holy Spirit as much as what I did. And maybe God wouldn't have done what God did because I would have got in the road. So God wanted this place to be a place of restoration, a place of healing and health, a place of prosperity and provision, a place of security and stability for many people who have no sense of what it is to have stability and security within their lives. The second thing that stood out to me that I shared from this passage of Scripture, that we were to be a place of establishment. I felt that God had given to us an area of land to reach a region. As it said in the passage of Scripture there, in the towns there will again be pastures of shepherds. In the, the towns of the hill country, 
of the west and foothills and of the Negev and in the territory of Benjamin, the villages around Jerusalem. And I just put Colac in for Jerusalem and you know, I just took a little bit of liberty in doing that. And, and it worked well for me. And, and so this was the area that I felt God was showing to us from uh, over in the left-hand corner, uh, was it Darling, Darlington? Yeah, Dar- Darlington. Uh, down to Port Campbell, uh, Inverlee, down to Lawn, and Colac was right in the heart of it all. And that was the area of land that I felt that God had called us to come and minister to, and that Colac was to be a centre that would reach out to that. And, and in the few years that we were here, we actually touched that whole area, albeit in a very small extent, that people came from all around we we had those who came from Lavers Hill <laughs> and joined us uh, right from the hill country <laughs> uh, I went up to Darren Allen is it Darren Dar- yeah De- yeah Darren Darren Allen yeah so, so I was went up there and and I was actually preaching up there in the Methodist church on a number of occasions, and, and Camperdown and, and Winchelsea. And so in a small way, in my time, we touched that area, but it's just sort of scratching the surface, saying, God saying, hey, this is the area of land. And people came from all around that area. It was exciting times. And I was beginning to understand what 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, 13 and 17 talks about us having uh, 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 limitations. We all have limitations. Limitations of, of our abilities and our skills and, and all sorts of areas of limitation. When, when somebody says there are no limitations to you, that's a load of rubbish. We all have limitations on us and we have to discover those limitations and we reach out. They're always a little bit further away than what we think they are. Um, But we have limitations. So Corinthians, Paul talks about our limitations, our field, the area, the, the, the sort of ministry context that we have and the area in which we minister. And so I began to discover a little of that. And then the third thing that I shared out of this passage was that of ministry itself. In verse 12, it talks about uh, pastures, plural, for shepherds, plural, resting their flock. The concept of, uh, of the development of a ministry teamwork a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of stuff to meet a whole lot of needs in a whole lot of people. And I've observed from a a distance over the last 40 plus years the teamwork has continued in this place. And uh, I want to encourage you in that and, and affirm you in that, that being a team that ministers is really crucial to fulfilling any sense of vision and call that God might place upon our hearts. So in that first message, I then encouraged the people to dedication, to discipline, and to enthusiasm to work with God to fulfill his purposes. And we were often running, and some ran in the opposite direction. (laughs) 
But at least there was movement. And God moved with us. Well, what about now? What about now? The vision that I shared in that first message that I preached here in Colac was not all that startling, really. It didn't contain any deep truths, any deep and wonderful revelations. I, I had a person who left the church at one time, and I said, why are you leaving? And they said, uh, well, I, I'm looking for deep teaching. I said, well, what's deep teaching? And they said, well, you know, that teaching that is so deep you can't understand it. <laughs> Sorry, I like to keep things simple. <laughs> so there was no deep and wonderful revelations, but it did convey the heart of God, I believe, for Colac, for this church. And I believe that it still does in that I believe that it's the heart of God for every church, in every nation, in every age, in every generation. God's heart is the same for us. The wording might change, but the heart is still the same. Church is not meant to be an organisation or a business, but it's a place of ministry that brings security and stability through a facilitating restoration of health and healing, be it spiritual, emotional, and physical. You see, this is what brings heaven to earth. And we're here to bring the reality of heaven to be expressed right down here on earth where we are today. So I would like to suggest to you that in a sense this vision is still the same. Expressed differently, but still the same. But if you think I'm suggesting that our original methodology or even the way we expressed our vision should be the same as it was 40 years ago, certainly not. Goodness me, the last thing I would want you to do is go and hire the CWA Hall, the letterbox, the whole of town, the, the whole of Colac, and have an evangelistic rally. It didn't work 40 years ago. It ain't going to work today either. <laughs> the what is actually universal. The how, what it looks like, how we go about achieving it, changes from culture to culture, from generation to generation. From, cold, from, from age to age. But I do believe that you're meant to be a place of restoration, establishment and ministry. It's for you to identify how that's fulfilled. And the how should never be difficult to identify. You see, it's about identifying the needs of the people in this area and then identifying how you, with your abilities and gifts, can go about meeting those needs as you take advantage of what I call the serendipitous opportunities of God. Now, I was preaching on this in a church one day, and there was a, a bunch of ladies, 
elderly ladies about my age sitting down in the front row and they, as I'm talking about these serendipitous opportunities of God, they're nodding, yes, amen, amen, amen. I chatted to them afterwards. They had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> At least they gave me some good encouragement along the way. Serendipitous means those unexpected things that just seem to happen without you planning them, without you even thinking about them. They're there. And that's the way God works with us. There is these serendipitous opportunities, things that we could never have imagined, but there is an opportunity there and God wants us to grasp the opportunity. Even if we don't know how we're going to do it, you know, sometimes we might be grasping a tiger by the tail or something, but hey, it doesn't matter. It's a lot of fun when you ride the tail. (laughs) You bounce along behind the tiger and see where it drops you off or where you let go. One of the two. It doesn't really matter. You have a lot of fun as you're walking with God. It's not meant to be hard work. We make it hard work. Because we get in the road of what God's wanting to do. God never, ever, ever sets us up to fail. Never. We set ourselves up many times. And we make a lot of mistakes along the way. You see, doing, fulfilling this journey that God has you on is about you embracing the serendipitous opportunities, the unexpected opportunities that are there as you look at the needs of the people and the community around about you. It's not rocket science. It doesn't need deep revelation and teaching. But it does need having a heart to serve instead of to be served. You see, collect, Christian family church is not here for your sake. You are here for the sake of Colac and all the region around about you. Will you get it right all of the time? No. I sure didn't. I, I, I remember when we were looking for a block of land and I felt God had shown me the block of land. It was in Armstrong Street on the other side of the railway line and I took the overside out one Saturday morning. We put on our gumboots and we marched around this block of land and, and we did the Joshua thing and claimed it in the name of Jesus. It had been sold the week before. <laughs> but God is faithful. <laughs> it was actually Arthur Black who discovered this block of land and came to me one day and said Ian have you seen this and so this block of land was then purchased young people don't get hung up on trying to find the will of God for your life as if there is only one thing for you to do and if you miss it you'll be damned for eternity it's not like that it's not like that at all you see if we have that sense we become so paralyzed by never being sure whether we've heard God or not and then we never do anything I was listening to a a businessman being interviewed on the radio one day and uh, uh, he, he was asked about 
um, those of his management who would make mistakes. And, and his comment was, I have never sacked anyone for making a mistake, but I have sacked them for not making a decision. You see, if we make a wrong decision, we can always change the decision and make another one. And it's okay to do that. None of us ever get it 100% right all of the time. In fact, if we get it 1% right some of the time, it's probably pretty good. <laughs> now I'd like to think a little bit more than that. The, the, the will of God. Uh, the what is universal? I've talked about that. God's will for you as a church, it's dynamic, it's growing, it's evolving, it's expanding as we grow and evolve and expand. And each part of the journey is a stepping stone to the next. You've never come to the end. And nothing should be so set in concrete that it can never be changed. That's just called tradition. Forty years ago, I could not possibly have imagined what I've been doing for the last 20 years. I couldn't possibly have imagined what we're doing now. Retirement is a wonderful phase of life. I thoroughly recommend it to all of you who've already done the hard yards. <laughs> God's will is discovered as much through elimination as revelation. Don't be afraid of making a mistake. Those who are afraid of making a mistake have never made anything. In the beginning of Life Builders, our last area of ministry 20 years ago, I really didn't know what God wanted us to do. I sat down and, and I just wrote a whole long list of all of the things I could do. The skills that I had, the attributes I had, the knowledge that I had. I made this huge long list of all of the things that I could do. I said, okay, God, what do you want to do out of this? And the things that God wanted me to do were certainly not what I thought was going to happen. But we go a journey with God and it's an exciting journey that we go pursuing the will of God or God's will for us is pursued by being prepared in order to embrace the serendipitous opportunities in line with the vision that God puts on your path so as you sense that God's taking you in a certain direction you do all you possibly can to prepare for that Young people, whatever you sense God might have up front for you, do all that you can to prepare for that. For me, I was, felt a sense of call into ministry when I was 15 years old. And then I went and studied civil engineering. So, hang on, how's that fit in? I had no idea at the time, but it was what I felt that it was the right thing to do. The opportunity was there to do it. The last thing I wanted to do was go off to Bible college and learn Greek and Hebrew and all of that sort of stuff. God had to do a number on me before I'd do that. <laughs> and then we got married and we spent our first two years of married life in Bible college in Adelaide. We were preparing ourselves what were we preparing ourselves for? We really didn't know. We just had this sense of direction, this sense of calling. 
God's will is more like a window of tolerance rather than only one specific thing that if you miss it, you'd miss out altogether. As long as we're within this window heading in the right direction, God's okay with us. And he nudges us this way and he nudges us that way. Don't ever be afraid of the the devil getting in the road or other people getting in the road and sometimes there's not much difference between the two because even if they do God just goes about things in a different way he's not hung up like we are he's not so concerned about the fine detail but the big picture if we get it wrong we just simply acknowledge it rather than looking for blame and make a new decision so to the future as you move forward as a church don't think of the will of God for you as some elusive magical thing that if you find it everything's just going to mushroom out and it's going to be wonderful you'll really only know in hindsight and you put your hand to the plow and you get a real crop of wheat come up you say whoa that was appropriate wasn't it am I mixing my metaphors a little probably but it doesn't matter I'm retired now I can get away with that sort of thing But until we get hindsight, it's pure faith. I hope not presumptions. Books on successful church growth were written after the fact, not before the fact. And if they were written before the fact, they're nothing but theory. Don't look at what other churches are trying to do and copy it. That certainly doesn't work. Don't try and repeat what was done in the past because things are different now. Be open to see the opportunities that God creates for you. Usually God only shows us a little bit at a time, the next step. And he often shows only little bits of that to different people. And it's as we all come together that we get the whole. It's not doing something wrong that's going to destroy God's good work that he's doing in your midst. It's when somebody thinks that they're the only one who's heard from God. And they try to enforce it on everybody else. And they criticise the leadership and everyone who doesn't agree with them. In heaven, there is no criticism, there is no conflict, there are no power struggles. The moment we step into criticism, conflict and power struggles, we step out of the kingdom of God and regardless of what we do, is not going to have God's blessing upon us. If we're going to bring the kingdom of God to earth, we're going to do it in unity and harmony together. So Helene and I came here with our family. We laid a foundation a little over 40 years ago now. And you've built this church as it stands today. You've done it. It's not the buildings. You see, buildings don't change anything. It's what goes on inside the buildings, inside these walls, that changes people's lives and brings heaven to earth to bring restoration, establishment of ministry. So even though most of you don't know Helena or I from a bar of soap, you have built on our initial sacrifice for which we feel deeply honoured and we feel blessed to have played a small part in the beginning that has enabled you to continue to build into the future. May God continue to use you abundantly in spite of your stuff-ups along the way. (laughs) Nevertheless, God's here. Bless you.